passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to a very happy edition of Evan Roberts, I'm on vacation, but not really. It's more like a staycation. It's more like I'm not doing a show for a week with Craig kind of thing. But I was at every single one of these Met Dodger games. I give major props to my soon-to-be six-year-old Jet. He attended all three games of this three-game series. So that was a real learning experience in going to a baseball series and going to baseball games. But didn't we have fun? Don't we feel good? The Mets win two out of three against the L.A. Dodgers. Hoff, don't you feel good that we took the best team in baseball and beat two, beat them two out of three? I mean, I had never felt happier in my life. Really? Crazy. Well, I, 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 listen, I got to be honest, Ev. I'm on a high right now for the past couple of days, and I wasn't even at the stadium. Wow. You didn't even have to be. I totally get that. You know, watching the game on TV, feeling the electricity was in that building, and it was. It was incredible. But I've got bad news. I've got bad news for you, Hoff. i got bad news for everybody listening who's on that same high. The Met players will tell you right after they won this series that none of it means a damn thing. <laughs> it was great messaging, whether it was Chris Bassett or it was Francisco Lindor or it was Buck Showalter. They all basically told you, look, we're glad we won the series. We feel great about it. But ultimately... None of this means crap, which is essentially what Chris Bassett specifically said after the game. And and the truth is, they're right. And I remember saying this many times throughout this regular season that as much as you want to beat the L.A. Dodgers, specifically the Dodgers, more so than the Braves, because the Mets and Braves are battling tooth and nail for the National League East where every game matters. But kind of like the Yankee series, and it really is similar to the Yankee series, As much as you want to beat the New York Yankees, as good as it feels to beat the New York Yankees, ultimately, it doesn't mean anything. Like, think about this. Earlier this season, the New York Mets played the San Diego Padres twice, a series in San Diego, a series in Queens. And both times, the Mets lost two out of three. Does that freaking mean anything? You know, when the Mets, or if the Mets, play the San Diego Padres somewhere down the road in the postseason, Will any of that matter? And I always cite what happened in 2015 with the Chicago Cubs, and maybe our older listeners would cite what happened in 1988 with the L.A. Dodgers. So I want to make this clear. This was a great week, and we will get into everything that happened over these three games, including a few other things, such as the fact that Buck Showalter hates Mark Vientos. Hates him. 
We'll get to that coming up. The injury to Brett Beatty, the Mets roster construction, but more so than not, this scintillating three-game series win over the LA Dodgers. But it doesn't mean anything. The only thing it meant was the standings. What it meant was the Mets are in a dogfight with the Atlanta Braves. The Braves did to the Rockies. I wouldn't say what we expected because I think we expected them to just annihilate the Rockies and win all three games. The Rockies actually won a game, but the Mets are in a dogfight with the Atlanta Braves. And so every game from that standpoint matters. But so do the games against the Washington Nationals coming up this weekend. So do the games against the Pittsburgh Pirates. But does it feel good to beat the Dodgers? Absolutely. Was the world on the line Thursday afternoon as they played the Dodgers? No. No, because much like the Astros beating the Mets four straight times, if they play in the World Series, who gives a crap? Doesn't matter. The Mets play the Dodgers in the NLCS. You think it matters that the Mets won the season series four to three? No. With that said, what a freaking series. And I got to hand it to a couple of people. Number one, I got to hand it to Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor's majestic RBI double in the sixth inning was such a, oh, it was like letting out a fart when you were holding in gas, you know, for hours and hours and hours. That's what it felt like because in the final game of this series against the Dodgers, you're facing Clayton Kershaw and you know Clayton coming off the injured list is not going to pitch deep into this game. We all kind of understand that. But when the Mets have the bases effing loaded with one out in the first inning, you got a chance to knock them around. You got a chance to beat them up a little bit. And they're very lucky to even get the run they got when Mark Canna drew the walk. But as Jeff McNeil popped up the third base, I said this to both Jet and Spence. I took both of my sons to the finale of this series because I want to teach them about baseball. And I looked at them and said, they ain't getting anything else against Kershaw. And Jet says, why? And I said, I'll tell you why. Because this is what aces do. This is what Max Scherzer can do. This is what Jacob deGrom can do. You best get to them early. And if you don't get to them early, you're never getting to them at all. Now, luckily, my cousin Dave Dave Roberts, rightfully so, not criticizing him here, had a strict pitch count on Clayton Kershaw. He threw 74 freaking pitches before we were given the gift from the baseball gods to face Chris Martin of Coldplay. So, see, I, I, I can give you a reference. I know that. Wait, Hoff, is, was Chris Martin in Coldplay? Was that he, yes, he's the lead singer of Coldplay, married Gwyneth Paltrow for a little bit. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Look at you know pop culture. How about that? That's right. Sometimes I pull that out of my ass. <laughs> but luckily, we were able to get Clayton Kershaw out of this game because if Clayton Kershaw didn't have a strict pitch count, this game would have looked different. I mean, let's face it. They, they weren't hitting him. They were just not figuring out Kershaw after that first inning. But what was great, like I mentioned, after Marte beats out that infield hit in the sixth inning against the lead singer of Coldplay, Francisco Lindor behind in the count. Remember, a few days ago, uh-oh, Lindor's slumping again. Uh-oh, Lindor's 0 for his last 19. Uh-oh, Lindor's not living up to his contract. He had a good series. Had a bunch of hits in this series. And that RBI double, that majestic shot to right field, was a thing of beauty. And then him stealing third base was a thing of beauty. That was a very, very sexy thing that he did right there. You had to love it. You had to love it. And I think in that inning, when Ruff was coming up, 
and maybe my memory is wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure I was right about this. When Ruff was coming up, Buck showed Daniel Vogelback off the bench to pinch hit. Okay, Vogelback is there ready to pinch hit against the right-hander Chris Martin with what at the time was, I think, a runner on second and nobody out. Because at that point, Pete Alonso was up. Lindor had not yet taken off for third base. He didn't steal that base until the first pitch to Darren Ruff, who ultimately hit. And I thought this was really, really interesting managing by Buck. He knows Dave Roberts has a lefty in the bullpen. I think it was Vessia who was warming up at the time. If he pinch hits for Darren Ruff, who's done nothing, let's face it, against lefties, against righties, he has been in a massive slump after his first couple of days that he had as a New York Met. If he pulls the trigger and goes to Vogelback, Roberts is going to the lefty. And now you got Vogelback in a lefty-lefty matchup. Would you rather have Vogelback against the lefty? Or would you rather have Ruff against the righty? And it's that, by the way, there's no easy answer to that because as bad as Darren Ruff has been, ultimately, Vogelback has not exactly lit on fire either. We know he can't move, and we also know he can't hit lefties. So that was interesting. I like that Buck sent Vogelback out as a pinch hitter, and then as Alonzo struck out, and he had a miserable series, we'll get to that in a bit, he calls him back and says, all right, Darren, get up there. And to Ruff's credit, in an at-bat that I thought was ultimately going to end in a just a meaningless strikeout or a pop-up to third, Ruff hit a ball deep enough, actually went to the warning track. I thought it had a chance to get out to drive in what was the lead run, what turned out to be the winning run in this game. So credit to Ruff, who overall sucks, but nevertheless, in a big moment, in a big at-bat, was able to put the bat on the ball and drive in what was ultimately the game-winning run. Obviously, the Mets got a little lucky in the eighth inning, that little bloop double by Brandon Nimmo, and we saw Buck do something that I love. I, I can't tell you how much I love this. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. When he uses his closer in the eighth inning, he has now made this normal. And here's what's so great about this, and I've always brought up why Buck should do this, but I'm not going to mention that again. You all have heard me say that. What I love about it is Edwin Diaz's ability to, to do it. Now, this wasn't Diaz's best performance. I think we all know that. He was very lucky to get through the eighth inning. He, first of all, he issues a leadoff walk. He hits Will Smith when he's ahead of him, one and two. Max Muncy hits one of the warning track. Justin Turner hits one of the warning track. I mean, Edwin Diaz was probably as bad as ever in this game on Thursday. Now, he'd also threw the fastest pitch of his career and struck out Gavin Locks, and I give Edwin Diaz major props for that. But before that, two warning track fly balls to the deepest part of the ballpark, a walk and a hit batsman. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. So it wasn't his best performance, but we've seen Diaz come in in the eighth inning and pitch great. We've seen it. And so for a while, whenever I would bring this up on the radio years ago, not necessarily with Edwin, but just in general, about using your better reliever in the seventh or eighth inning, the biggest retort I'd get from people is, well, they're closers. Their mentality is to pitch the ninth inning. They can only pitch the ninth inning. Always heard that. Edwin Diaz has reminded you that, no, just give me the freaking baseball. I can pitch whenever you put me in. I'm telling you right now, I thought about using him in the seventh inning. And I didn't think that would have been crazy. Because remember, he goes to Trevor May in the seventh inning. He walks Trace Thompson. You know Trace Thompson's brother, by the way? A little trivia question. Do you know who Trace Thompson is related to, Pete? I believe uh, it's Clay Thompson on the Warriors. Look at you. Look at I'm you. On I'm, I'm on it. Let's go. I like it. I like it. We didn't even <laughs> set that up. I would never do that. Yeah, Trace's brother is Clay Thompson. Whatever. So May walks Trace Thompson and then comes very close to walking Chris Taylor, the 8-9 hitter. I got the guy two rows behind me screaming, rightfully so. You're going to walk the 8-9 hitter? Yeah, with Mookie Betts coming up. And as this is happening, I'm thinking to myself, I'd warm up Diaz right now. Why wouldn't I? I was just given a 3-2 to two lead. I have a lead. Mookie Betts may come up with 2 on nobody out. Obviously, you can't go to Diaz for bats because you have the three batter minimum. But for Turner and Freeman and Will Smith, why not? Now, Buck didn't do that. Buck never had Edwin Diaz warming up in the seventh inning, but I'm saying it out loud to you. Why the hell not? I mean, I love that Buck has broken the rule of I can't use my closer in the eighth inning and then not use him in the ninth inning. He's already broken that. He does that. He does it routinely to the point where it's not even a story anymore. It shouldn't be because he's done it a bunch of times. Why not the seventh inning? Why the hell not? Sometimes the biggest outs of the game may be in the seventh inning. And if he had walked Taylor... And there were two on nobody out with Betts coming up. And let's say Betts grounds out the shortstop and they don't turn to double play. And there's second and third one out with Trey Turner coming up, up by a run. Why would you not go to Edwin Diaz? Why not? Am I crazy off? No, you're not. I, 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 I've been talking about that for a long time now, that the biggest outs may not be in the eighth, ninth inning. So that makes total sense. What's, what's more interesting to me is, we look at Edwin Diaz right now, who last couple years had difficulty closing games, and now is as flexible. I think that's the most impressive thing of it all. That just how much of a, how dominant of a season he's having—it's just amazing. Yeah, and I think he's showing that the mentality that you need to be a big-time reliever, he has. And I think a part of why relievers may have been put themselves in a spot where. I'm a ninth inning guy. Only pitch in the ninth inning. I'm not used to not pitching in the ninth inning. It needs to be a save situation. It can't be a tie game. Is because managers continue to use them in the exact same situation over and over and over and over again. If you use guys in various ways, like Buck has with this bullpen, you can't help but get used to it. I mean, another guy who's been brilliant is Adam Ottavino. I mean, I got to hand it to him. As much as we all may not trust him, ultimately in a big spot. And I think a part of why there's a lack of trust for Audubon Avino is that because we've seen him be ineffective, and I just don't mean with the Yankees. I mean last year. I remember when the Mets made the decision to sign him. Uh, I looked at his numbers and compared them to Jairus Familia. And I wasn't saying anything out of school. I was giving you the facts. Jairus Familia had a better year last year than Adam Ottavino. 
But Adam Ottavino reminds you that when you're a reliever in Major League Baseball, none of that crap matters. I mean, look at Aaron Loop last year. So it's impossible to predict sometimes who and which reliever is going to have a monster year and which one's going to just completely collapse. Credit to you, Josh Hader's completely collapsed. And it happened in the middle of the freaking season. Knew it. Nailed you it. Did, you did know it. No, not for nothing, but it really, I, I hate to use this term, but the bullpen, the relief pitcher is the most bipolar position in sports. It really 100%, is. 100%. 100%. That's why it's so tough to predict. But I think the negativity, which Adam Adovino has not earned. Adovino's been great, specifically since Memorial Day against the Phillies. I think the negativity we may have for Adovino is his resume. The idea of, yeah, he's been great. Yeah, the eye test has been fantastic for him in 2022, but I watched him in 2021, or I watched him in 2019, and I know the bad Adam Adovino is going to show up. But how about the fact that Adam Adovino, when he's been asked whether it was against the Rockies last week, whether it was against the Dodgers on Thursday, when he's been given the save job because Diaz pitched the eighth inning, look how he's responded. I mean, he was unbelievable in the finale of this series. It's still only a two-run game. You get a guy on base, you got Mookie Betts as the tying run. You get a guy on base, you've got Trey Turner as the tying run. You get multiple guys on base, you got Freddie Freeman coming up. You look at what he did in the second game of this series, pitching a 1-2-3 inning against not the same hitters, but 8-9 and 1 of the batting order. And you know what's crazy about the second game of this series without Avino? And this it's kind of a rip job of the Met bullpen, or at least the way it's built, but it's just the reality. Buck Showalter goes to Adam Avino in the eighth inning to face Joey Gallo, Cody Bellinger, and Mookie Betts. Now think about this. Joey Gallo, not going to give you a whole soliloquy about Joey Gallo, but Joey Gallo and Cody Bellinger are left-hand hitters. Even this season, in a year in which Adam Adovino has been great, his numbers against lefties are bad. They just are. They're dreadful. This season, the year in which he's been mostly great. But the Met bullpen is structured in such a weird way, and by weird I mean bad way, that Buck Showalter's best option against Gallo and Bellinger was to use a righty who gets his ass kicked by lefties. So I'm sorry I turned this into a negative, but hey, the only lefty they have in their bullpen is Joely Rodriguez. And well, we'll get to the opener of this series. He sucks. So look, the bullpen did its job. You know, ultimately you look at game two of this series, Jake gives you seven innings. Adovino and Edwin Diaz did their job. You look at the finale of this series. Trevor May, Edwin Diaz, Adam Adovino did their job. In the first game of this series, Joely didn't do his job, but the Mets didn't hit, which is the main reason they lost. So as much as we're all fearful of this bullpen, and I remain fearful of this bullpen, we need to be fair. They did their job against the best offense in Major League Baseball in the final two games of a three-game series against them. And they are the best offense in baseball. The numbers are the numbers. And the eye test is the eye test. When you have to face Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman and Justin Turner is like God against the Mets, they never get Justin Turner out. You look at Justin Turner's numbers and you see 279 home run, like a solid year. If he faced the Mets all the time, he did 415. Remember that DS in 2015? He was the one Dodger the Mets could just never, ever get out. Never get out. But, boy, credit to the bullpen. 
as much as it scares us, the bullpen did its freaking job. The only other thing from the finale of this series is that I thought Jeff McNeil was dead in the first inning. When he made that diving attempt on that base hit and he didn't get up right away, I'm thinking, oh, God, this is not an injury the Mets could ever deal with. And oh, by the way, it still wouldn't have led to Vientos being brought up because as I'll discuss later in this podcast, Buck Showalter hates Mark Vientos. We will get to that, I promise you. Now, as far as the first two games of this series is concerned, and it was a continuation of what happened against the Rockies, they're just not hitting. Sometimes it's simple, and sometimes it's annoying, but they are not hitting. You look at the way they scored in the opener of this series. They scored their first run on that weird error. Stalling Marte lays down a bunt. The throw by Andrew Haney hits the runner. Marte ends up on third. Nimmo scores a run. The Mets are gifted a run. Obviously, the third inning was incredibly frustrating. That was the inning where Taiwan Walker hit Joey Gallo with the bases loaded. Oh, my God. Uh, That one killed all of us. And then, of course, Gavin Lux comes through with the two-run single. But the offense in that game did nothing. Marte hits a home run. Canna hits a home run. And then with all the other scoring opportunities they had, they failed. 